Welcome back, everybody. This is Christy and Jeffrey. And this is Uptown, Uptown Drama. We're never going to get it right. We're never nope. going to get it right. Not even going to try. Um, not even going to try. And this is our, our uh, now weekly podcast where Jeffrey and I uh, talk about theater and specifically theater three. And when we're not in shelter in place, we get to walk around Uptown and talk to people in our neighborhood. But we can't do that right now. Um, but I am extra thrilled today to have a very special guest. Jeffrey, do you want to introduce our guest? Sure. We can't talk about Theater 3 and its and its and its um, and its history without interviewing the great Camilla Carr. Um, many people uh, will know a fantastic career in, in so many ways. Um, so uh, we uh, are super excited to to talk with you today, Camilla. Well, I'm super excited to talk with you today. <laughs> where are you, jo- where are you joining us from? Oh, I'm in El Paso, Texas. Oh, Because okay. this is where my significant other lives, and I try to spend as much time with him as possible, which has been extremely convenient during this particular time period because I'm <laughs> writing a novel. <laughs> oh. And what I do is sit at home and write, 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 write with no interruptions. It's fantastic. But you are, you're quite prolific. I mean, you, you are a writer. I mean, you, you started at Theater 3. You started at Theater 3 as an actor, right? I did. I did. Start, I came straight out of college and an actor who worked at Theater 3, Gene Ross, uh, had seen me in Once Upon a Mattress at uh, University of North Texas, which was then North Texas State University, mm-hmm. or it wasn't even a university, it was a college. Uh, uh, but whatever it was, he <laughs> said, you need to come and audition for Dark of the Moon. Sean McLean is directing it. And uh, so I came over, I auditioned for Dark of the Moon and Jack Alder grabbed me and said, listen, I'm doing stuff the world I wanna get off and I want you to audition for that. So I auditioned for that. And then he says to me, I've got to tell you something, Camilla, I'm auditioning a person with the same first name as yours and she is really a great singer. And I said, Jack, I can get you a costumer. <laughs> so <laughs> I got him Patty Greer, who had been my sweet maid in college and had a wonderful career as a designer. And that did it. <laughs> I got the part. Well, That's we got great. great. Yeah, it was great because Larry O'Dwyer was the lead in Stuff the World I Want to Get Off. And I played four different characters his wife, Evie. And then the other three girls, Jenny, uh, the New Yorker, and uh, Anya, the German, and um, and another one, uh, 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 another one who was Russian. So mm-hmm. I did all of these dialects, got splendid reviews, and it set me up for Dallas, Texas, for the rest of the time, the ten years that I was there. I played nothing but leads. And was, and was that. Was that, that was your first professional? It was my first professional show. After cool. College. Yeah, it was great. I was lucky. Every, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I'm sure that there was something else involved with you getting that apart, having, being talented and apart from. Yeah, the costume designer. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned Larry O'Dwyer. Everybody has stories about Larry. I, I never got to meet Larry 
Well, Larry, let me, I'll tell you a story about Larry. Okay, on the opening of Stop the World, I want to get off. We're standing behind the curtain, the overture is playing, and he said, excuse me, I'll be right back. I said, where are you going? And he said, to throw up. And I went, oh, please, do it fast. And so he came back, he was fine. We went on, and, you know, that'll take the nerves out of your system. You just go on and do your thing. Oh my so God. that was that. So, was, but Larry was he. I, I, I got to tell you this. Okay, Jack, Norma, and Larry were my son's godparents, and and Larry took Kaylee to swim to play. He was so wonderful with him. He was like you have never ever seen Larry O'Dwyer before. He was perfect with Kaylee. He was his godfather and he was just absolutely fantastic and uh, so Kaylee is named Kaylee O'Dwyer Fagan wow yeah yeah and and he loved of course he loved Jack he loved Norma and um boy Jack and Norma they were absolutely terrific so uh this is like this is like uh I, I don't mean to interrupt but it's like Jeffrey this is this is the second time we hear that about Larry being good with kids, right? Yeah. That 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 was something that you would not think immediately if 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 you knew him or met him or had worked with him, but that he was really actually good with with young people. He was great with young people, and he was great on stage. Yeah. But sometimes he was absolutely splendid off stage. Uh, with me and with Hugh, my uh, first husband, Hugh Fagan, and uh, who is also a splendid actor. I don't know if you guys know that yeah. Hugh Fagan came straight from Broadway doing uh, Passage to India with Dame uh, right. Gladys Cooper, and that he had previously gone to Stratford, uh, been pro uh, performing at Stratford on Avon, and uh, and uh, and studied at the Goodman Theater. That's mm -hmm. what was his training at the Goodman. So, I, I mean, what an extraordinary actor he is. I wish he would come back to Theater 3 and do something, but he, he uh, won't now. So, <laughs> what can I say? That's incredible. I'm not his wife anymore. It's, I can't it's, tell him what to do. It's, it's, also, <laughs> it's also like, I don't know, the third time that we hear from someone that we talk to that Larry did something that was a bodily function either on stage or right <laughs> before on stage we've heard about larry sleeping on stage we've heard about larry peeing on stage <laughs> we've now we've heard about larry throwing up right before he goes on stage oh, but he did I, it off stage <laughs> yeah he did it off stage that's incredible. What what other, you know, I've been doing a lot of research. I'm new to Theater 3, as you know, and, and I've been doing a lot of research during this time on the history of, of the theater. And, you know, with the renovations coming up, Jeffrey and I are planning something special that honors the founders of the theater. And so I've been doing a lot of research on Norma. And I can't I can't find a lot. I've been reading her director's notes and looking at all the plays that she did early on and talking, getting information here and there from people that knew her personally and worked with her, what little I, I've been able to get. 
and she she sounds like a really really smart compelling person uh, that we should know more about and yeah. i'm i'm really interested to hear what your experience was working with norma well i want to tell you what my experience was but first i want to tell you that the person you should ask is michael jenkins who's on your board and you know seven time tony award winning producer and he mm -hmm was at the Sheraton Ballroom painting sets on the first show. So he knows inside out what happened at the Sheraton and few other people do. I don't know of anyone else who knows the, the Sheraton Theater anymore. We what should, happened. yeah. But I do know how Norma started. She received a 4,000 grant from her aunt and she started theater three. And I guess she started at the ballroom and I don't know when they moved into the garage, mm -hmm. but at 2200 main street, but that's where I went to uh, work first when I came out of college in 1965. And, um, and so I met Jack and Norma then Norma was a workhorse. I mean, she cleaned the bathrooms. She cleaned the dressing rooms. I can see her walking down the hallway with a mop and a broom, and she would never, ever let any actor help her. She did that herself. She addressed a hundred kajillion envelopes, stamped them, mailed them, wrote out, please come see this show or that show. This is what she did most of the time, mm -hmm. unless she were uh, was directing. Mm -hmm. But but she, she was absolutely devoted to making this a splendid theater, and you know, for it to have become the fourth regional theater in the United States of America is profound. Yeah, she was inspired, of course, by Nina Vance, who had started her theater mm -hmm. in Houston. And then the other two ladies uh, from the East Coast started their theaters. And then Norma started Theater 3 and J with Jack mm -hmm. and Bob Dracup and Esther Ragland. They were on the board. That was their board. Um, I wasn't around then, but I was certainly around when she was cleaning up those bathrooms and addressing <laughs> those envelopes. And I felt badly about the fact that she was having to do that, but she wanted us to go and rehearse or perform or do whatever it was that we had come to do. And so that's the way that it was. Now, as a director, she was extremely serious. She knew exactly what the blocking was going to be, and you'd better do it. And you'd better say the words, and you could not improvise i mean i never improvised i always learned the script as it was and uh but she, she was very demanding of other people who didn't <laughs> um, and and uh and i worked with her several times i can't re exactly remember what the first show was but i do vividly remember working with her on gallows humor and Miss mm -hmm. Julie, uh, yeah, and um, wow. and and so uh, 
those plays were uh, profound. Yeah. And what was the name of the French play that we did? Um, at, at any rate, the the plays were profound. And oh, Miss Ju- Miss Julie was, was starred Benny Gaddies, and now Benny had come directly from Broadway, mm-hmm. and she uh, was uh, coming back to. Dallas to get married to this very substantial banker. Mm-hmm. And so I remember walking out of my dressing room and, and looking through the curtain and hearing her read. And I thought, God, that little girl is good. I didn't know who she was. She's still one of my best friends. We stay in touch. Um, but th- that, that was an amazing thing, Miss Julie. And then Hugh played the, uh, the, the yeah. and mm-hmm. I played the maid. And of course, Miss Julie was devastated by the fact that she had danced with my boyfriend or fiance or whatever he was, and that she had lowered herself in society. And so she kills herself. And that was tragic. Uh, but that's the way that the play was. Right. And everything that I hear about um, Norma's choices, she, she always chose plays for the theater that were that dealt with with some serious stuff. She was oh, she was very she, serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very serious. Uh, and we did a play by Strenberg where gosh, I can't even remember the name of it right now. Um, but the, the Strenberg play was about. Two uh, two women, and uh, and that was very dark as well. And that was me and Sharon Spence. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, and they wanted to kill their mistress. They did kill their mistress. Is it the maids? Yes. No, yes. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. It is the maids. And uh, so she directed that as well. And on that night, that one night when we did the play, my uh, professor from uh, North Texas came with his family, his wife and his two kids, and there was nobody there but them. They took off their shoes and placed them on the seats. So it would appear as if they were for us. They did it for us. They wanted us to think there were more people there than just the four of them. What is the um, days when you didn't have an audience? Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, it's we have we have those days still today, right? Uh, now nobody has an audience. Speaking well, of which, no one has an audience now. Yeah. What what are you doing? What are you doing other than than writing your novel, working on a novel? What are you doing during this time to kind of like, I don't know, keep yourself sane or or just you know? I don't know why. I don't know why I'm totally sane. I mean, I'm saner than ever because I don't have to do this, 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 and this. I can sit here and at my leisure and write this book. And of course, I've gotten all the way through it. Mm-hmm. But I have to go back now and make the correction. It takes a long time to write a book. and Or it does me. I don't know. It may not take everybody else. 
uh, so long to write a book, but it, it, it does take me a good long while to write it. And um, the, the name of the book is Packer Jordan's Final Appeal to the Texas State Parole Board. <laughs> and Packer Jordan is a woman who looks like a man, acts like a man, and everybody thinks it's a man. And she gets arrested all the time because she runs off with her girlfriend and does something horrible happens. And then something else horrible happens and something else horrible happens. And um, but eventually she uh, she will rise. <laughs> I can't wait to read it. This sounds well, really, really interesting. Fun and it's, it's just funny. I mean, for me, it's funny and it makes me laugh and I uh, really enjoy it. My editor for my first book was Stuart Richardson, the former editor-in-chief of Doubleday, who had published four Pulitzer Prize winners, Gorbachev's first book, the first book that ever came out of Russia. And, uh, I mean, he was just the nicest, most gracious man. I didn't even know who he was. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was my editor, and he didn't change one word of my book. One. That's it. Wow. So, that was wonderful. Well, that's why it takes me a long time to write. Yeah, you go back, go back. Do you, do you edit a lot? Self edit a lot? Oh God, yes, constantly. Yeah. I constantly. Now, when you left or stopped working at Theater Three, I mean, like you went off to have a career as a writer for film and television. Well, right? I not directly. At first, I worked uh, at the Los Angeles Theater Center, which mm -hmm. is. Uh, one of the was then it's now a Hispanic theater run by the guy who was uh, the assistant director of some of the plays that I did there. Mm -hmm. And it's a, I'm sure it's a fabulous theater now. Uh, but when I was there, it was not a Hispanic theater. It was just a theater for everybody, for blacks, for whites, for Hispanics, for everyone. And, uh, and I'm so glad that I had that experience. The first play I did there was Stick Wife by Derek Cloud. And mm -hmm. I played Betty. And the second play, what was the second play? Inspector General. And I right. played Mayor's Wife. Okay, I had gone to my son's graduation on the day that they brought the set in. Uh -huh. I didn't see the set. So can you imagine when I saw the set? It sloped down mm -hmm. like five feet and I thought what the hell am I gonna do with this <laughs> or only part of it was like normal and then uh -huh. the rest so what I did was I just picked up my skirts and my petticoats and I rolled down the stage while I was saying my lines <laughs> and it was so much fun and the audience loved it they get, because it was quite a surprise for them but that's all I knew how to do with that five feet drop down wow and uh and uh, Philip Baker Hall was played the mayor. He lost his voice, and we had a stand-in. And I, I, but it was a, a wonderful experience. And then I did the Wild Duck with Philip Morris mm -hmm. uh, as uh, my husband, and I played the mother, right. Dina. And then I did. What else did I do? Oh, the night of the iguana, and I played the Ava. You Garden. played Maxine. Yeah, Maxine. Oh, I've always and, wanted to play Maxine. Well, you should play Maxine. <laughs> you should play Maxine. Jeffrey, Maxine, it's the best role that there is. 
of the female roles, I thought, I mean, of course, the other role is fantastic yeah. too, but she's very serious and Maxine yeah. is just loud and Yeah, crazy. I would never, I'd never get cast as the other role ever. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> I wouldn't get cast as the other role either. <laughs> um, so that's what I did at the LATC. And when I left the LATC, I, uh, oh, let's see. I came back to Theater 3 and did Present Laughter with Larry O'Dwyer mm -hmm. and brought my husband, Edward Anhalt, the two-time Academy Award-winning screenwriter who, who wrote Beckett and A Panic in the Streets. That's what he got his two Oscars for. And he had stuff all over the world that he had all kinds of awards that we had all over his study. And he was astonished. He said, this is the best Noel Coward I've ever seen. And I was at Noel Coward's 50th birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was a big, big brava for Theater 3, I thought. Wow. <laughs> but he just, he, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe Larry. He couldn't believe me. He couldn't believe the entire cast. It was a great cast. And that was the last play that I did at Theater 3, which was quite a few years later. But it, they called and said, would you come back and do this part? And I, yeah, of course I will. So I did. And um, But after that, I did not, uh, I, I guess I worked down at the LATC some more. But eventually the LATC closed because the city pulled its, uh, it, the, they didn't think that they were making enough money there or whatever, mm -hmm. or that they had spent too much money or I don't know what it was, but they pulled it and they didn't fund it anymore until they funded the Hispanic theater, which made me mm -hmm. really happy because I, I knew the guy, he'd been an assistant director when I was working at LATC. And, um, and so that's very successful now, which is great. Um, but, I wrote that book, Topsy Dingo Wild Dog. And from that book, I got hired to write motion two hour movies for television, uh -huh. two hour motion pictures for television. And I did that until they didn't make movies anymore because all of these talk shows came on right. and it uh, uh, went to the talk show people and so, you know, everyone who thought we would have jobs for the rest of our lives didn't. And, um, and our executives all changed. So that's when I sat down and wrote a novel, the first novel, Topsy. And, uh, and then what happened after that? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, oh, I, I started writing screenplays after that. You know, mm -hmm. I wrote a couple of them with Edward and then I started writing screenplays on my own. And then, you know, now we can't submit anything to anybody because nobody's there to accept it. <laughs> right. We just have to wait. That's right. the thing. Yeah. But so, uh, so, okay. Go ahead. Well, I just I, I promised myself I wasn't gonna ask this, but now I can't help it because we're here. And Jeffrey, okay. I think Jeffrey knows what I'm gonna ask about. And he knows that I'm a little bit obsessed with the film Logan's Run. Oh, really? I love it. And oh, wonderful. 
And you, you, you were in Logan's Run, right? I was. I was one of seven characters who had lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you were a sanctuary woman. Woman. Right. And what, what was that like? Well, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm thrilled to meet someone who was in, in the movie. You know, I had made three movies before with uh-huh. Mark Rowe as a producer and uh, SF Roundrig. So I was accustomed to being in front of a camera. Uh-huh. Thank God, or I don't think I would have ever gotten that part. Right. Um, but I was happy to be there. And I've met uh, Michael, uh, the lead, several times since, just on the street in South Carolina when I was leading a screenwriting seminar. I ran into him and uh, said, hi, <laughs> sanctuary woman, hi. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's, he's awfully nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really a nice person. The guy who played his partner, I think he died. Yeah. And yeah. Do you remember his name? I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but I can see his face. I know he was married at one time to Kathleen Widows because she told me so. She was who I fought with on Another World. We had oh. fights every day. <laughs> so she told me that she had been married. Yeah. And was so, I mean he was a he was a role, he was a bad guy in the movie. Do do you remember if he was nice in real life? Oh, uh, you mean Michael? Or uh, the, yeah, no, his his partner. You know, I don't know if he was nice in real life or not. I do know they got a divorce. That's all I know. I don't know anymore. Anyway, um, but uh, boy, Michael, he was he was awfully nice, and he had done cabaret and all these great mm-hmm. movies. He he was a splendid actor, and and is a splendid actor. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I was just happy to run into him on the street. It was fun. No, cool. Camille, Go ahead, Camille, Jeffrey. You said something earlier. I, I take a back seat sometimes when we get great raconteurs on the show because it's I just it's 40 minutes of telling uh, someone telling me stories, which is great. But you said something um, a little bit ago about as you were writing uh, for television and then the talk shows sort of took over. Um, and many writers thought they had a job for life and then they didn't. And you have moved what at least appears to be effortlessly from one thing to the next uh, and, and had so many, there's so many facets of your career. Is Did that come easy to you or was it a, sort of a scary adventure moving from one thing to the next? It was never scary. And but the writing thing came from when I was a little girl. I wrote 22 little tiny novellas as a child. <laughs> and I knew I didn't know enough words and that I had to do something about it. I couldn't look them up in the dictionary and use them. So that's why I became an actor. And, and I wrote my first play when I was in junior high school. My teacher produced it on the stage of the junior high school with all my little friends and I directed it. <laughs> but I thought if I got into the theater, then I would learn how to write a play. And that's exactly, that's, so I got into acting, to being on stage for that purpose. But of mm-hmm. course I fell in love with it too. 
Wow. It's so many times it's the reverse. Like so many times people want to be, you know, you're in is being an actor and you're there and that's what you want. And it's always one, it's always like wonderful to hear when people say, no, I wanted to do something else. I, I got on stage so that I could do this other thing. You know, I started as an actor and then quickly realized, oh, I think I'm a director. And that, then I started working towards that. So that's really interesting to hear. Um, yeah. Do you have a, a favorite, before we, we wrap up, do you have a favorite memory of Theater 3? I have so many memories of Theater 3 that are in my heart forever. Uh, just being with the rehearsal process was always very exciting for me because I knew I was learning something. And, um, and of course, as I said before, I, as a child, I felt I didn't know enough words. And that if I got into the theater, that I would learn words, which is exactly what's happened. And I've learned everything from being in the theater. Um, I, d I can't begin to say what my very favorite thing has been. I've had so many favorite experiences. I loved being in Night of the Iguana. I love Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. I loved Miss Julie. Mm -hmm. I loved Gallo's humor. I mean, that was another one that I did with Gene Ross. That was really, and then, and at the end of the play, it turns out he he wasn't going to leave me. He was going to because he wanted to leave me, but he had to go and be the executioner and chop someone's head off. And so that's how the play ended. It was crazy. <laughs> you know, it was just crazy. So um, that was not one of my favorite plays. <laughs> <We'll say that. laughs> but everything else I did at Theater 3 was rather magical. Anything goes. I mean, the, the things that Jack directed. Mm -hmm. Anything goes. That's a fabulous Cole Porter production that he put on. And... Uh, and we, we did so many wonderful musicals with Jack. Mm -hmm. He was just great. Oh, I'll tell you something else before we get off. The Old Theater 3. Jack built the Old Theater 3 with his father. And they did the risers and installed the seats and everything. It, it, it was just kind of a phenomenal situation. Uh, and I mean, I loved Jack's father, but no one loved Norma's mother. <laughs> you can get that. <laughs> I, I kind of love that. <laughs> We're not remember, cutting that out. I remember, uh, actually, I have Jack's father's toolbox. I ended up with that. Um, oh, that's good. Many years ago. It's just, I guess, pretty appropriate considering my sort of construction um uh uh interest but uh i remember also meeting jack's mother once and he, and i was young at the time and thinking you know of course jack was older and i always thought of oh yikes sorry um uh 
And it was so interesting. I mean, it was, it, she passed away probably then within the next year or so, but she was the last time she came to the theater and Jack, you know, met her at the back door. And it was so interesting. I was like, everybody is someone's son or daughter. You know, it was just fascinating. You, you don't think about those things until you're like, oh yeah, they have a mom. <laughs> That's right. I'll tell you a funny story about Kaylee too, who, uh, you know, we didn't, we never got a babysitter for him. We always brought him to the theater and put him in the playpen so he could watch all the actors come backstage in their outfits. And he was just absolutely in, fascinated. Yeah. And such a great time. That's and, how I raised my children too. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, good. So then he went up to the light booth a year later. He got to stay up there for a year. And then finally he got to, to go down to the theater the next year when he was three years old and sit between Jack and Norma. And Norma laughed so loud at something that went on in the play that Kaylee said, shh, you're in the theater. <laughs> Uh, I sometimes feel like I have done irrevocable damage to my children because that's exactly how they grew up. And then I'm like, I would not have it any yeah, other any way. way. I wouldn't have it no. any other way. I first, when I came, yeah, they, the, the, the people that they've become is a direct result of having grown up around so many exactly. artists. Yeah. Exactly. When I first got to Dallas, I remember I worked with Cora Cardona at Teatro Dallas for many years. And um, after I had my daughter, um, she would say, just bring her, just bring her. Uh, don't worry about it. And so I'd go to rehearsal and I'd be on stage doing something and Cora would be directing the play, holding my daughter, Isabel, on oh, her hip. that's wonderful. And directing the play and she'd be holding Isabel and rocking her. So... Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely I, wonderful. I wouldn't have it any other way. That's great. Camilla, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been such a pleasure and an honor to talk to you and, and listen to your stories about Theater 3. Well, I'm so happy to talk to you and to see you, Jeff. I know, it's so great. Great, it's wonderful. Hey, when, um, once we get through this renovation and we uh, and this and this lobby thing happens, you need to we need to make sure that you're you're there for the grand opening. Yes. Okay. So. Please let me know when it is, and I'll be there. Yeah. We'll make sure to to know to give you the dates and and make sure that you're here for that. Oh, thank fantastic. you, thank you so much, and um, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye, <laughs> Bye everybody. 